0: Welcome to episode 3 of What A Hit Son, my name is Kian Maher. You might have noticed in the last episode there was a new intro too with the great commentary of Andy Gray. I would like to thank Carol Boyce for taking the time to edit these podcasts for me and creating this new amazing intro. I am joined today by the man who's beaming with a smile from the weekend, Rory to Talk Sport. Today we're going to talk golf, racism in sport and football Rudy, really welcome again to another episode as by now people will realize you're a regular on this podcast
1: yeah i'm planning on sticking around for the near future anyway as well so i'm enjoying this
0: <laughs> no it's 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 good like we're, we're getting a lot covered and today's topics that we're covering are kind of being helped with the fact obviously sports now back which i know myself and i know with you especially we had nothing to watch on tv most of the days you're we just watching Netflix and disney plus or whatever you could find nearly
1: yeah and there's only so much of that stuff you can can watch or watch on repeat and watch again so oh yeah there's, a, there's nothing nothing like having um, sport back so it's great and obviously it just gives you that just a uh, good feeling and it's tough to look to look forward to and obviously it's a bit of a of an escapism from everyday life as well so
0: yeah so i suppose uh, the first topic we'll cover today is the golf so um We've had three tournaments. Golf came back there a few weeks ago. Very interesting results. Few golfers performing on certain days and then on other days not performing as well. Like, private example that I've noticed is uh, Rory McIlroy. He's been up there, kind of coming up to the last day and then on the last day kind of falling away. He's not really hitting the lengths he's been doing on the other days. Do you think that's just... Uh, he's a bit rusty and just getting into his flow or is it he's not playing kind of his type of courses that suit him best
1: yeah so i obviously massive fan of rory mcelroy however he probably is by far the most talented yet frustrating golfer you can watch like he has literally every shot in the bag like in his locker can hit like ridiculously long which is obviously extremely kind of beneficial it's um, it's real acid on the the tour at the moment you can see the likes of bryson DeChambeau obviously really focusing on trying to get that bit bigger to try and hit long as well because it's such an advantage off the tee but he like he's so erratic it just seems to be a lot of silly mistakes he he's he said that himself he just thinks a lot of the, the stuff he needs to work on is it's very basic mistakes that he shouldn't it's like lapses in concentration which he has like when he's hot there's no one, nobody can compete with him really. But it's the problem is it is the inconsistency and the ups and the downs, whether it's his pudding or it's his iron play. Like his iron play consistently would be very, very good. Yet he's shanking balls right and left, pushing them right or left from could be even within 140 yards of the green, you know. And it's just shots you shouldn't really be mishitting at that level. So I suppose he's. He knows himself, like, if you look at his records with top 10 finishes as well, like, there at the weekend at the Travellers, he had, obviously, a very good first day was joint, joint second after shooting a 63, and then second day, boy poor, third gay, left himself too much to do, really, and then he started off, final round, he birdie, bogey, bogey, birdie, and then, obviously, got that eagle early on the back nine, and then looked like he was going to come good, and then made another stupid double bogey you know it's just not there's no consistency there at all
0: yeah like I, I, as you can see with um i I was, I was thinking with obviously with bryson DeChambeau, i was looking back and obviously when he was saying he's he's getting bigger and building up his body and i agree with the pundits from seeing what happened before getting big can be good to an extent but for some golfers, like a perfect example they were saying it down the years was Fred Couples did it. And that affected his game in the long run because he worked on kind of bulking up and getting that strength. And then when it came to in the long run, it affected his round. So the thing to see there is will that affect him the way it did with Fred Couples for a few years when he tried it as well?
1: well I suppose the the science and all that has come a long way since then. Fred Couples probably didn't necessarily have the best strength and conditioning coaches around to maybe perfect that but you look at like Rory McIlroy obviously completely changes body type and it's done world like the world of difference for him he's way fitter and stronger as a result Tiger obviously he was probably the other extreme he probably did too much as well but when you see these guys up front uh, strength and conditioning is just part of the game card plant like even your kind of smaller slighter build fellas like Justin Thomas and maybe Ricky Fowler and Justin uh, Jordan Speed, they'd all do a certain aspect they might necessarily do the same kind of mind muscle building or strength training but they definitely do enough to stay at that level because i just don't think at the top level of golf now you could not have some sort of strength condition program and stay at the top like uh, phil phil mixon's obviously lost some weight as well so but obviously in a good way you know he's not just cutting that out diet related that's all done in the gym as well so
0: i i that's the one thing i've noticed though the in regards to a lot of the golfers, they've take a lot of them have taken time. I'm like looking at some of the golfers, uh, perfect examples, Phil, and a lot of them over this time in quarantine have actually lost a lot of weight or built up their muscles. So they've used that time to kind of improve their physique to help aid them in the long run, kind of with the golf.
1: Yeah, but I mean, apart from maybe the off, like the the postseason or the off season for for these golfers, that the season is so long, they don't necessarily get the same opportunity so the fact that they obviously they're able to hit a few golf balls but they're not necessarily playing rounds and rounds of golf they were able to put that time into like in the gym setting or whatever you know what i mean so they have that more they have more time in their hands as such to to focus on that particular aspect and it seems to be working for quite a few of them obviously like bryson bryson he's the by far the most like the strangest (laughs) character and He's a bit petulant in terms of his behaviour sometimes and but he's a bit of a he's a bit of a mad genius in terms of like yeah. all his clubs are the same length, just very strange. But it like you said, the 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 thinking behind putting on that much size wasn't necessarily distance, it was um he wants to be able to increase his, the, the speed of a swing. So obviously he felt he needed to have muscle on his body in order to be able to do that. But uh, it's working well.
0: And do you think with the majors being moved, obviously like the Masters now, instead of being in April, it's being in November, do you think that kind of being moved might help some golfers, like like McElroy, like he's done well when I was, do you think now the move to November might actually benefit him more?
1: Well, we're going to have to see, obviously, regarding weather as well, because I don't yeah. know, what what necessarily, we know in April what the weather is like, it's usually... Very humid, bit of heat, obviously you know, there's, there's potential for a bit of rain and thunderstorms but generally usually dry for Augusta, it could be completely opposite for come the winter and obviously if it is necessarily, if it necessarily is wet could be an advantage to the bigger guys or it could level the playing field in terms of distance not necessarily because everybody says because Augusta is so long you've got, if you you got to have length in your game really to kind of succeed and be successful in Augusta so obviously Of all the majors, obviously, like the other three majors, the courses are changing every year. So you don't necessarily, it's a bit more unpredictable in terms of who can win it. But Augusta is the perfect golf course for Rory Yeah. So you would, like everybody said, and all the experts have said, if he was going to win one, that was going to be the one he should have won. So I do think it's only a matter of time. But a lot of the time with Rory, it's in between his two years, really, in terms of mentally, like he's been there so many times. Obviously, he had that famous choke going in the back nine, in I uh, was several years ago now. But he's obviously won all the others now, so it's the he's done a lot of work with sports psychologists. So you just wonder. And obviously, he's getting all his bad habits out of the way. So maybe come November, he might be in the perfect chance to strike. Yeah. But you see how many times has he been in that final pair? And like he was in the final pair and with Patrick Reed there a couple of years ago, and he just just didn't perform. He was real average round. He shot like maybe a sixty nine or a set seventy or sixty nine, and Patrick Reed was just that bit better. He just seemed to play really safe, which yeah. isn't McIlroy's game. Now, obviously, he can be very, he can be almost too aggressive sometimes and go for too many shots because he has it in his game that he can pull it off. But uh, he was kind of very, he was the other extreme a few years ago. So
0: yeah, so like with obviously only three of the majors have been moved, we have the the Open hasn't been confirmed obviously um of all the majors I've being moved to different dates because you have the first one up is the the PGA in August from the sixth to the ninth and then you have the US Open in September followed by the Masters. Who do you think kind of are your favourites at the moment from what you've seen from the golfers playing? Who do you think kind of stands out so far? Um
1: well you you all your big names are definitely gonna come good. Like you're Justin Thomas knows how to win majors now. Yeah. Uh Jordan Speed looks like he's kind of on the way back. Phil Phil is lucky he's playing that a little bit better. Obviously DJ's just won there the Travelers. He's that was the first win for sixteen months, and he's now won thirteen years in a row, thirteen seasons in a row. He's won at least one tournament, which is obviously a like a incredible stat. Stuff, yeah. And then you look at obviously Rory Brooks Kepka literally just likes to turn up for the big He's all, it's all about majors as he said and the chap has a ridiculously high opinion of himself rightly or, or wrongly maybe sometimes and i know that is very much an american kind of mentality and self-confidence which in every other walk of life would nearly be would be a negative but when you when it's such an individual sport you have to have that self-belief so i don't have a problem with brooks i like brooks who else yeah obviously Brendan Todd is obviously playing very well now on the PGA was close at the weekend obviously Dustin was that little bit better and then I always like the, the likes of your Louis Hazen and always oh, seem to do well at the majors. You'll always have some guys that just turn yeah. up for majors. Ian Poulter seems to be playing well enough. Um, Matt Wallace is playing very well as well. And then the other lad I think, too, think that kind of goes under the radar and is always top 20 uh, Um, tournaments is Xander Schofield. I think he's a great player. Mm. Not necessarily the biggest hitter either, but he's playing. he's been playing very well.
0: Yeah, like, you're looking, like, just looking even at the top 10 I have here, like, you're seeing, obviously, you've got McIlroy... John Ram, Dustin Johnson, Justin Justin Thomas, Brooks Koepka, Webb Simpson, Patrick Reed, Adam Scott, Patrick Cantley, Bryson DeChambeau and then you Xander Shuffler just outside there. Like all those names really have a chance really and will be up there come end of each of the majors because they're all really good golfers and when you watch them play they really know how to read the course as well. Like the Masters is one of those ones anyone can nearly win because you could just have one of those weekends where you just perform extremely well and end up winning. The other question I have then that raises obviously with the majors being moved and that, do you think the Ryder Cup should go ahead this year? There's been talk obviously that it could go ahead, but obviously no crowd at it, and then there's talk that it might not go ahead, like what do you think should happen?
1: Well I mean they've they've not had it previously for other scenarios I don't think it would be the end of the world personally if they if they postponed it a year, like it's such a good event, you know what I mean I I just think no fans at an event like that like we, we've already seen with the football for an example and numerous other sports and I know with the golf necessarily it's not as important but i suppose the whole advantage is if you're playing at home for a for a team event like that you've home advantage you want the crowds there so i think personally they should put it off a year like you've done with the lights like, yeah. of olympics and stuff i just think it's obviously it's a lot more feasible that potentially you could be run without fans and keeping your social distancing and that kind of stuff but i just think it would really take away from the event as a spectacle it wouldn't be the same on tv and i can't imagine Obviously, golf is their their livelihood. That's their job. But something like the Ryder Cup is something that they find really special and really enjoy. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not something that they do at, at the type of format that necessarily they do week in week out. Yeah. because it's the team format. So I do. Um, I definitely think it probably should be put off until the following year.
0: Yeah, like that. That was the thing I was going to say myself. Is I think the whole point that there's no fans going to be at it is really kind of that's what drives all the the golfers on to have that thing where they can play well punch the thing get the crowd going kind of it really kind of gives them that extra push like and it makes it better even to watch it on TV when you're hearing the crowd cheers and you're seeing kind of the, the emotion behind all the golfers. And I just think with that, like, when you're even watching the golf now, like, you can see the difference that there's no crowd there. The golfers aren't, like, fist-pumping like crazy or that. Like, that crowd aspect is something that is needed for something like that. Yeah, you look at,
1: like, the postman, uh, Ian Poulter, like, he he loves the Ryder Cup do you know what I mean he's, yeah. he's made for something like the Ryder Cup and he he just just lives off that atmosphere and that the uh, kind of passion that the yeah. the, the crowd and the what you call it bring to the event so i yeah i just uh, i think they'd be underselling themselves so i don't see there's any harm in putting it off for a year and um but like you can see even with the travelers at the weekend i know there's technically no fans allowed but you can see um a lot of those kind of courses in the u.s they have residents on the course and property on the course so yeah. you could still see people on their property they weren't obviously allowed leave their property to be actually on the golf course but they were still able to sit in their front garden and watch yeah the golf yeah. Um, and you get a little bit of clapping here and there and it does like it just creates even that little bit was a little bit better than just zero fans whatsoever you know what i mean so yeah i just think they're better off putting it off
0: yeah and what with that being put off like you could just think of how much better it would be when and i You can even see with the golfers themselves, a lot of them have said they'd prefer if it was postponed to next year. Now, I know it's going to make it a real difficult year to get everything in because, obviously, you're going to have the Olympics has been pushed back. You're going to have to structure, obviously, all the golf tournaments, depending on kind of what way they're going to do it. But I'm sure they can come up with something if they have to drop one or two tournaments, they have to drop them, but they can't fit everything in i suppose moving on for that we'll move on to our next topic so the second topic we're going to cover uh obviously in over the last few months there's been something that's been a huge part in the world obviously with what has happened in america and with the whole george floyd which is racism kind of it's only in the last few months kind of really grown kind of world on the global stage but has been evident the last few years obviously with The Premier League now raising this Black Lives Matter campaign obviously I think is a fantastic thing for them to do. And even just the uh, unity of all the players even with that just as soon as the referee blows the whistle to kick off and everyone gets down on the knees. It just shows that everyone wants it to stop. But it is very tough like obviously with social media we're seeing things like I saw a post Ian Wright post the other day. Of a message of some what's people were messaging him, which was I think is absolutely disgusting to see. Even just football fans, like I can understand you having a bit of banter, but saying stuff like that and being so, it's it's kind of an awful environment really that we're we're in nowadays. And social media hasn't been much of a help with it. No. Would you think?
1: Yeah, so I suppose you'll always have those kind of people on social media. I suppose neither of us can necessarily ever kind of comprehend or understand that level of abuse because we've never been subjected to it but at the same time i think it's obviously originally i can understand it was it was a age thing maybe your older generations then necessarily weren't necessarily around people of different kind of backgrounds or different ethnicities or whatever it is so and it's almost like learned behavior but it's gotten to the stage now in modern society where that shouldn't be it should there was never an excuse for it and i'm not condoning um people's kind of behaviors at all but now if it's still present it's just not acceptable Um, not that it was ever acceptable but just with everything the way it is now just there's so much we can do to to kind of stop it um, and act on it and it's obviously it's been great the kind of positivity and how everybody's kind of embraced the whole and especially the black lives matter uh movement has been great and especially organizations that are so powerful like your fa and taking the opportunity to to promote that and obviously really encourages the players to obviously get behind it and obviously the black especially the black players and players of different backgrounds like that that they have that support must be must feel great but at the same time you, you'll still always get those outliers and those people that feel the need to to express those disgusting opinions directly to those individuals, I suppose. <laughs> You'll always, like I was saying, we We're only, I was only having this conversation with somebody the other day, like, everybody gets offended today, like, as in, what, no matter what your opinion is, you're going to offend somebody, but that shouldn't stop people from, obviously, giving their opinions, not necessarily that opinions are wrong, but, like, just that kind of bigoted and discriminatory kind of outlook on, on life. Um, and treating someone as inferior than yourself or ourselves just isn't acceptable anymore so but you can still see that obviously that the fundamental issue is with the states i know it is evident in every walk of life and especially the uk like we know from football for from example like watching tv and the amount of instances of racism especially especially from clubs but like you have the, the numerous examples with say chelsea for example or instances obviously player racism that have been caught up in it and then other instances of fans and the funny thing is obviously Chelsea for a long time would have had a lot of necessarily black footballers in their team and yet they're still their fans are still (laughs) abusing other clubs with racial abuse it's just uh, it's just it's
0: the way I look at it is like you could look at any fans and the problem I have and it might be something that needs to be looked at as well is majority of the fans when you watch when you a football, a lot of the fans that speak out or roar this abuse, a lot of them might not be fully sober. They they could have a good bit of alcohol in them and basically they just speak their mind and they end up... And they could be completely out of character, but it could be because their team is losing or that and then they decide... Someone comes over to take a corner and then they'll decide, oh, let's, let's have a bit of crack here. Let's roar abuse and ruin like internally what that can do to a footballer i know from working with kids in the u.s and i've had one or two kids roar abuse them not understanding and internally that destroys them they might not show it but internally that can cause so much down the line in regards to depression and stuff like that and not feeling great about yourself so it's great to see that something's been done about this that it's finally kind of hit its point where people now are like this is enough there's been obviously big parades where people are protesting in in huge amounts like what we've seen in obviously in minnesota and across the u.s in dublin we've seen in cork we've seen it all around the uk and in europe it's great to see but i also want to raise that there are one or two people who have been heavily affected before this came in like obviously the one of the biggest ones that's been noticed now obviously and the person whose career was ruined by this is Colin Kaepernick kneeling in front of the the national anthem and was absolutely destroyed for doing that and now everyone's kind of coming out and said actually we can understand why you were kneeling
1: and obviously obviously being a a man of uh, obviously being a, a a man of mixed race and uh, obviously dad was african-american and like phew, I, it just it, it just baffles you doesn't it really in terms of how the hate crime he got from his own people and just wasn't getting the recognition for it and he like i'm saying that's an opinion obviously it was he was very much in a very public position that it was so out there and so he kind of really stood out from everybody else in terms of what he was doing yeah. but like you remember i remember nike obviously did a big campaign with him they they backed him to the hilt um, and he was still getting that abuse so i don't know It uh, obviously he'll he'll probably i wonder how he feels and we'll obviously yeah. we'll see with the documentary series that's coming out but he you wonder if he's if he, his whole kind of perception is positive or has he is he calling myself like why now and why not back then when yeah. when when he needed yeah. that support I yeah. obviously I'd say that was obviously an extremely difficult period in his life as well because like you said that kind of negativity can really impact on people's mental health and yeah. stuff like that as well so
0: and he was he was a good player like I've seen stuff of when he was playing and you can just imagine someone of a like you could imagine that with a footballer say imagine that happened to someone in the premier league like if it even if it happened to your greats like mbappes or your Neymar, even like someone like ronaldo if he's abused for obviously coming from portugal and playing in another country and he's abused or even your messies imagine what would have happened if we didn't even have that them today because of racism because of where they're from and that like it it's it's quite frustrating to see racism nowadays. And it's great to see now how it's kind of kicked on. And I hope it improves more. And people start to realise we need to stop being racist towards, obviously, different ethnicities, different uh, different aspects. If we're losing, take it on the chin. Like, I know, I know myself from, obviously, watching the start of the Premier League season and seeing Arsenal perform. But at the end of the day best you can do is just say fair play It is better team won no need to resort to racism or anything like that no like in
1: fairness I, and it's it's very much a problem just within the sport in terms of the level of abuse the footballers get and they'll, you'll get all the arguments thrown around oh they get paid so much money blah 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 doesn't necessarily excuse anybody subjected to level abuse that players get in general obviously if you're getting racial abuse on top of that as well it's, it's even worse but The abuse in in general that footballers get is pretty disgusting when you compare it to maybe a sport like rugby where it's just the whole ethos and character and code of kind of conduct and ethics or whatever that within that sport that it would be great if they could transfer something like that into football the kind of the level of respect from fans to players players to referees or officials like if that it's definitely something that should be looked at but that's kind of an, an argument for another day.
0: Yeah like like as I was, was going to say we could go on about this forever but I suppose we can't, can't be making this podcast too long that people probably get bored listening to it but it is something that we could even cover separate and talk about instances in a separate episode which I probably will do down the line kind of as I see how it goes on but I just think it was something I've seen on the news and I've seen as kind of very in big the last while that I thought it needs to be something that I need wanted to address kind of and give my opinion on. Not to criticize anyone else's opinion but just say what I thought of like the whole situation of what needs to be kind of done and kind of take it from there. But definitely something that I will address in the future. So I suppose the third topic we're gonna cover then. Biggest thing that uh Got me so excited once it was announced as football's back, which is great. You obviously had the Bundesliga season just finished there at the weekend. You've got the Premier League playing. There's pretty much games nearly every day at this stage. You've got the French League didn't come back. That one finished. That was decided by the French themselves. You've got the Italian League and the Spanish League both back flying through as well in their games. I think the biggest thing for you that made you so happy was 30 years is finally over. You finally have won the title.
1: Yeah, 30 years of hurt. Uh, and obviously, majority of my lifetime, obviously, been waiting for this moment. So absolutely over the moon. Still still in shock, really, that it's been, it was that comfortable that like obviously we could never say it publicly but the title was actually done at christmas wasn't it really in terms of yeah. how good a start we had obviously a bit of a shame with the cup competitions we couldn't keep those kind of going but oh just yeah delighted and kind of looking forward to next season nearly already for um the opportunity obviously to retain because it's not been done for quite a while but obviously man city have done it recently enough but uh, before that, it had been Man United were the last team, and then obviously you look at your examples of obviously Man United, Man United are the only team to win it three times in a row. So it would be nice to maybe retain next year and maybe throw in another trophy as well. So we we'll look we we're, we're um we're looking forward positively for the chance to be able to do it. I suppose obviously just the, the brand of football that's being played at the moment, and hats off to the City and how fantastic a side is, but they will be back. And you look at the likes of your Chelsea's strength and Manchester United are getting a bit better. And obviously we don't really know the kind of financial climate with regard to transfers, policies mm. with a lot of clubs. I know Liverpool more likely doesn't look like they're going to necessarily have any big incomings or outgoings. But it's definitely going to be a lot more competitive next season. So it's going to be mm-hmm. going to be good.
0: Like the one thing I question I always had is, do you think it was right to play out the rest of the season? like do you think because of the how it's going to affect a lot of things like obviously with the transfer windows probably going to be they're speaking about extending it to october now well obviously with how it's going to affect different aspects of obviously new seasons the champions league being moved because they're going to play out the rest of the fixtures in august do you think kind of it was the right idea to bring it back or do you think kind of they should have ended it like they did in some countries um, I I
1: I think the season always had to be to be finished. Like it's too easy. That like there's so much money in the football, but the, it's too easy in an environment. That they they're very much in their own bubble anyway as footballers. But it was so easy to create to kind of enhance that environment to be able to do everything safely. That it just would have been ridiculous not to. And like you said, it's been the French are very much outliers in terms of they decided to to end the season. But you can see what's their name there? I think they're still doing the um the, the the French Cup final. That that's on the July. I think it's on July twenty fourth. I think they're doing it, but like ah. It was never really up for a debate in terms of whether the season should be finished or not. You'll always get those Man United fans and the rest of them that obviously didn't want Liverpool winning the title. Um, and I wanted that forever, that asterisk to be beside winning the title in terms of, oh, it's not genuine, blah, blah, blah. But I suppose for just from purely from the amount of money obviously teams getting relegated or teams getting promoted from the championship etc and obviously filtered down to the lower leagues it had to be finished didn't it so
0: well i suppose in that aspect when you're looking at obviously how it would have affected like promotions and relegations like you're already seeing kind of the kick-on from the french league and the scottish league about those clubs that might not have gotten into europe like leon who are kind of kicking up a fuss or the teams that have been relegated, some of them thinking they were unfairly relegated when they thought they should have been staying up because they could have fought for their place. It it is tough. And I suppose the other question then that's raised, obviously with the social distancing and we're seeing kind of a lot of obviously with the empty stadiums and then all the players being spread out. Do you think it would have been better to follow in kind of like what they're doing in America with the whole, the NBA and the MLS finishing their seasons in Disney World, do you think something like that should have been done for the rest of the Premier League matches?
1: Well, look, I don't think ever American model should ever be copied for anything because the Americans very much do their own thing, like with a case of feck everybody else, you know what I mean, in terms of like the Disney thing with the NBA could potentially work. I'll be yeah. honest with you with the amount of positive COVID tests like DeAndre Jordan just come out as being positive Spencer Dinwiddie's come out as being positive as well for COVID-19 like I just think there's going to be an epidemic again they're still getting cases every day yeah. massive numbers I just think sport in general shouldn't be anywhere near on the horizon in the US at the moment just yeah, because it's in yeah. such a bad state and obviously that's at the, uh, that's nearly for another debate for another time in terms of the political kind of environment that they're in as well and obviously with the whole protests and Black Lives Matter movement and everything I just think it's it couldn't possibly be a worse time for sport to necessarily be restarted but as i'm saying that's up to the, the powers that be to make that decision but i personally don't think the nba season should be finished anytime soon yeah
0: yeah and like i i would say agree with you there in regards to i don't think the sport should be going ahead anyway the us like was it i saw the other day was it even some of the um the apple stores um if you're buying it was announced that they've closed a lot of their stores again because of the increase in certain cities with uh with covid uh and it's just not in and i've been speaking to uh some friends and families that i stayed with over there and they they're even saying like it's still quite restrictive in certain places of what you can do and a lot of them prefer to just stay at home and that so. I just I can't see why sports should be thought about and prioritized over there. Like they can they can move a season if needs be. There's no real relegation or promotion over there, so there's no really need for it. I know they want to have their sport, and some of the players probably will want it. But I'm sure some of them are probably thinking, I'd rather just work on my exercise at home or find something to do in the meantime. Like, as as you can see, a lot of them are doing kind of, like, e-sports things, like what they were doing in the Premier League, where they're having, like, little tournaments on the games consoles and to keep themselves in that competitive state of mind. Like, you're seeing we're not getting as many positive tests here. So that's another thing you could say nearly as well, as because we're not getting as many positive tests because they're doing the social distancing, will that, with will the moving of them to Disney World actually help that side... It's only a matter of time before we, we see when it kicks off, you know.
1: Well, I've seen it, it, it's so hard, obviously, even just within a team environment. Like you're saying, there's two Brooklyn Nets already that have got tested positive for COVID 19. Like, if that had gone undetected and that had spread to the whole team, that's a whole team. If any one of those teams comes in contact with another team ready to play a match, that's just an epidemic and it just starts all over again. Yeah. yeah. So, I just think they're better off waiting. Obviously, they need to test all the the NBA players first, and then obviously put them into that environment. But obviously, a lot of those NBA players are going to be bringing their family mem, close family members, so like obviously, wife, husbands, children, whatever. So they are obviously more at risk then as well. I just I think it's very hard with the the amount of people out of in me involved to try to to try and keep everything on lockdown and try, yeah. to keep everything safe. And like I said with everything that's going on and then just the sheer volume of numbers of cases that are still present in the us just doesn't make any sense the us will always do what the us wants you know what i mean so i don't know we'll have to wait and see yeah they obviously think they're capable of of doing it properly but who knows really
0: exactly i suppose then moving on from that kind of to in regards to obviously the european like the transfer window as i said earlier looks like it's been kind of extended to um october kind of the uh, the uefa are looking at extending it to about the 5th of october with the fa trying to maybe do it a slight bit longer um do you think because of what's happened and obviously with the financial difficulties do you think the transfer window will be as busy like, obviously, we're seeing now there's a few deals coming in. Obviously, you had Pjanic and Arthur kind of swapping nearly clubs. You've got Leroy Sané just announced there within the last hour that a fee's been agreed between Bayern Munich and Man City. You've got, obviously, Cardi moved on a permanent deal to PSG and you've a few other um, deals come in permanent basis. Do you think, kind of, financially...
1: See, it depends. Like, a lot of clubs these days, like, I know, like, you take big transfer fees, like... Coutinho when he went to Barcelona, a lot of the clubs nowadays, they don't pay, that That money doesn't come up front, it's an instalment, so I, I think if there is the potential for still some, some big deals to happen, but I don't particularly see with the kind of close season and then leading into the next season, I don't actually see as big kind of transfers happening like the, obviously the one that's being with all the time is Jaden Sancho from Dortmund to going to United and there's rumors there of a 100 million being wanted by Dortmund but United won't pay any more than 50. I personally don't see Dortmund letting someone as good as Jaden Sancho go on for that kind of money yet I'd say it'll probably be the following season or if not it'll be maybe in January when everything kind of settles down a bit more mm-hmm. but um yeah, I do. bar that, it's hard to know. Like you've, you've, you've named our PSG. Will he, will he go back to Barcelona? Will he go to Real Madrid? You know, very much the the noise was Messi. Very much wants that to happen, but obviously that once again with everything that's going on, that just throws everything up in the air. We don't know. No one knows because it's unprecedented. Really, nothing like this has happened before, so no one knows. But I personally don't see many big, big signings this summer. Really.
0: Yeah like even looking like for myself like the first thing I was thinking oh are Arsenal going to sign anyone the main thing we need to do is we need to try and tie Aubameyang down to a new contract and Saka which apparently Saka is close to signing a new deal anyway but defensively we signed Pablo Mari which I'm happy with and we've got a full back in Cedric's suarez whenever he can play uh when he's back uh, if he's not constantly getting injured tied down to contract. the only thing i didn't like that they announced really because i'm not big of a fan of him is david Luis. um i just don't think he suits our style of football but sure he he might once we have all our players back up and fit and once we have saliba back from saint etienne he has to play in that obviously that cup tournament final for saint etienne hopefully that'll improve our defense maybe
1: yeah, I'd be honest with you, Ian. I don't think David Luiz suits anybody's style of football. <laughs> the staff doesn't know how to defend. He thrives in that Chelsea team when they play the back five, so the three centre halves because he had two players to bail him out all the time. Yeah. Or he played well in that kind of defensive midfield role. But my God, he's not. like he sh- If Arsenal have any kind of aspirations to, to get better and to, to get back to challenging... Um, which I think they're a good while off at the moment. They, they can't be having people like Mustafi and and yeah. David Luiz at centre half really, can they? So but they've made kinda of couple of kind of younger like they said, that player um that's at uh yeah, that's at at the end. He's apparently gonna play the the cup final stay and play the cup final and then obviously come back to so, Arsenal. So yeah, I don't know, we'll have to see But I know personally from a Liverpool perspective It'd be nice to get a couple of Maybe a player in that attacking front three To push the front three Because they're very much, those three are set to play all the time And we're very lucky Liverpool have been very lucky that they've managed to stay fit for so long But the time is going to come when one of them is going to get injured And they'll need somebody to step up Is that going to, otherwise it's going to have to be someone like Curtis Jones or Ben Woodburn or Ream Brewster now gone to Swansea and is doing pretty well at the moment. Harry Wilson's obviously a Bournemouth, not really done much. Started off the season very good first half, but Bournemouth seemed to be in free fall at the moment. I Can't score any goals, so you. Don't, I don't know who's going to push that. Divock Origi, as much of a legend as he is, uh, for his key goals, he's not necessarily good enough to be kind of pushing for a starting place in the front three. So we need, like, obviously Werner has gone to Chelsea now, but. Who else is there out there? Should Liverpool go for someone like maybe Jaden Sancho? But then that could obviously cause problems because Klopp is very much, he doesn't want big personalities or people that will disrupt that kind of environment within Liverpool. So look, the man's a genius, so I'm just going to leave him be. And <laughs> obviously, uh, Michael Edwards has done a brilliant job in terms of recruitment as well. So I, I put all my faith and trust in them, to be honest. But it would be nice to maybe get a couple of... Uh, couple of signings and get rid of that Dijon love run (laughs) fella my god
0: yeah like I suppose like it's going to be one of those things really to kind of watch over the next few months is just to see financially kind of what happens if will the clubs make those deals whether they even do loans temporary loans up until a period where they can pay like club you might see that that might be an option now for clubs is that they loan them out, and the clubs that take them agree to pay their wages, and then it's that they have to buy at the end of the season. It will be interesting to see, I suppose moving up on for that like you're obviously with the Spanish and Italian league football you're looking at obviously the Italian league now you have a lot of the big names kind of getting back up into fighting for to get into the top four so you've got obviously ac milan seem to be kind of performing a bit more than they used to obviously inter now seem to be buying from the premier league the talent and are competing now there they were at the start of the season they were fighting juventus point for point and only kind of fell off recently do you think kind of in the next few years you'll see with the likes of juventus that They might not be winning the the league every season and they might be obviously losing out to other teams.
1: Well, I suppose if anybody can kind of break that monopoly very much in Serie A at the moment, it could be someone like Conte at Inter, um, obviously getting a a very good squad there. They had a very good result the other night against Parma away, who have a very, very good, I think their third best home defensive record in the league before the game the other night and for a long time looked like they were going to grab a big scalp but the I'll be honest with you the team that look obviously that looked like they're going to be around for quite a bit long time it seemed to be Lazio looked very strong at yeah. the moment um, Roma seemed to be very good offensively but kind of Not great at the back. Napoli are ridiculously resolute. It's very much like they've been for years and years and years. They don't concede an awful lot of goals. Don't necessarily score an awful lot, but win a lot of games 1-0. They obviously beat Juventus in the cup final. Which is a shock, to be honest. Which... I watched the sec I-, I missed the first half, watched the second half, and it seemed to be all Juventus. But when Napoli went forward they looked a real threat and then obviously the penalty shootout was an absolute disaster from a Juventus point of view. There were just terrible terrible penalties and Napoli were clinical. But and you wonder, did did Sarri, should Sarri have should Sari have gone back. to to napoli and not gone to juventus but look that juventus team has a ridiculous abundance of talent and the squad the the the, the depth of squad obviously they've just signed arthur from barcelona now who from what i've heard sari feels he's going to go into the jorginho role that like he was like jorginho was at napoli and obviously then at chelsea and he's going to build that midfield around him obviously pianos is that little older i think pianos is 30 30 years old now so he's gone to barca and bit of a strange boy from a Barca point perspective with some of the players that they have obviously they have busquets is probably on the decline now but they have frankie d frankie de young there it's obviously very still very very young and it's only going to get better every season yeah i suppose the the one that's Probably up in the air the most at the moment is La Liga. Real Madrid look very good. They got a couple of tricky matches coming up now. But obviously Barcelona were ahead before the break. Now Real Madrid are two points ahead. I know Barcelona are playing tonight obviously against Atletico, so we'll see kinda of how that goes. But I think there'll be a couple of twists and turns left in both both Syria and in in um La Liga, so obviously enjoy look forward to kind of watching that because obviously you the likes of the premiership is done and dusted so yeah, from, from a title perspective yeah. anyway
0: like the only thing then you can kind of see from there is who finishes in the, the top six or seven and gets into Europe like you obviously you've got Wolves there Leicester are fighting to get in keep, stay in the top four and um get into the Champions League like they did a few years ago when they won the league so it's it's very competitive in that point obviously liverpool ran away with the title but then when you look at the other teams it's nearly like some weeks one team are winning or they're drawing and it looks like they don't want to play in europe nearly next season so it will be interesting kind of to see kind of how that finishes and who gets into what
1: when you look from say fifth or sixth down in the premier league down to maybe about 10th or 11th any of those teams we get in europe yeah. like you I mean those last couple of spots especially the Europa League spots it looks like Chelsea are pushing Leicester seem to be a bit in free fall at the moment they, they yeah. can't get, can't really get any decent results going they have they obviously drew against Watford very late on they looked like they'd nicked it and then Watford went down the end and got a late equaliser Watford aren't playing particularly well and they're on a very bad run of, of results very good win for Southampton and that man that, Danny Yings. There's another man that I'd happily take back to Liverpool it was disgusted devastated when we got rid of him because he's been absolutely destroyed with injury. So glad to see him doing very well. But yeah, like I'm saying, even the relegation in the Premier League, someone could very easily get sucked into that. Don't necessarily know for definite who's going down. Long way to go. And you, you, you've you seen in so many previous years how a team could suddenly just get, get a run going and completely get out of out of danger
0: you know well like you look at it now like I've watched several games on TV like I've watched the Arsenal games I've watched some of the big team games and I kind of feel watching it it, the standard is so much poor I don't know whether it's because obviously the fitness levels or whether it's the lack of fans kind of to help motivate the players more but you can just see kind of the games take longer to kind of build up And kind of get entertaining at times, like obviously as you can see, Leicester. When they're conceding a last minute goal against Watford, if that was probably earlier in the season, that wasn't going to happen. Probably Leicester would go on to win. They might have scored more. But do you think it's kind of what do you think? Do you think it's more kind of a fitness thing, or do you think it's more the lack of fans kind of to help push them along? Look for
1: example. A team like Liverpool, for example, when they play at home, the the influence that the fans have on a game and how they can really push and drive that team on. Home advantage at at this end of the season, you can see from a statistical point of view, home advantage has completely dissipated, especially the Bundesliga with all the results that were happening. And it's filtered into the Premier League as well. There doesn't seem to be naturally both teams score and it seems to be very much one team scores or nobody scores kind of thing at the moment i'd I'd like to think after two or three rounds worth of games most clubs most teams probably feel they're back to full fitness now so it's more a case of it's more a case of they're missing that atmosphere and missing that kind of influence and power that comes from the crowd to kind of drive teams on it must be it it must be pretty disorientating from a player perspective that you're so used to the noise and just the uh, the aura and the atmosphere suddenly that could be completely dissipated. And I'd say that obviously we we've the option watching it as fans on TV of with set, with sound or without sound and things, with without the crowd noise. I personally love it without the crowd noise because
0: it just you, sounds you, bad. You you you, yeah. you can
1: hear everything you know what i mean it's nice to be able to hear and obviously it's a bit of sledging and a bit of slagging and the abuse that goes on between the, the players the opposition players it's nice to be able to hear that as well yeah. sometimes because obviously we usually can't and you're trying to lip read stuff or whatever but uh yeah it must be must be difficult so like i said the sooner the fans can obviously get back the better for for the general the general kind of atmosphere
0: yeah like i suppose like it's only a matter of time kind of to see how it goes like hopefully kind of when the new season starts we'll have that time where the fans could be back and maybe it might not be at full capacity but they might have more fans than what they have at the moment obviously um with the restrictions that are in place but i suppose it's only a matter of wait um i suppose that's the best place to kind of wrap it up for today um we've got a fair amount of time in for this but uh thank you again rory for joining me today for our la- latest episode it's great to finally all see all the sport come back and all these kind of topics come to hand also want to thank uh carol boyce again for the amazing editing she does in this podcast and th- obviously thank you for listening to this podcast i've been kiamar and this has been what a hit son <laughs>